<laughs> and then I said, one fist for every turn around the sun. <laughs> he took great pleasure. I mean, the entire thing. Pleasure's a strong word. <clears throat> Pleasure's a strong feeling. <laughs> Much like the feeling one gets when listening to the Big Damn Cast. Hey! Gossip stuff that's fit to occupy your time that we can give a shit about. Uh, my name is Christopher. My co-host's birthday is right now, Johnson. And I've got seven different letters in seven rows. They go Widdishins, sideways, vertical, collected by the old man tied to the sea. I am too old for this shit. <laughs> I'm a little bit confused. What was that? I'm good. I'm good. I'm sorry. I'm breaking information. The fuck was that about? That is uh, lyrics from the song Ship on Fire by Zeelanada. Oh my God. That is, please email in if before he revealed that, you understood that. Yeah. Because I want to know if you're busy. It's a great song. I, I want to know if you're doing anything tonight. Um Ah, we are back in, uh, we're recording in Manchester, in separate locations. Boys and girls of every age, get your vaccine, you little shits. Um, I mean, it won't stop you from getting it, because I got it when I was fucking jabbed, but it'll stop you from dying, so there's that. That's the thing. It won't stop you from getting it, it won't stop you from dying, but it will stop you from even fucking knowing you've had it. Yeah. Because I last tested in the earlier part of last week during our Panto run. We then had a few days away from the theatre due to rescheduled or cancelled shows. So I had no access to the LFTs that were in the building. We then did the last couple days. I got home. LFTs are only digital though, Chris. <laughs> oh yeah, I right click and saved my, uh, my, <laughs> my lateral flow test. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um... Oh God! So I, uh, I, yeah, I, I got home and a friend gave me a heads up to say hi. I've tested positivo, and I was like, right, okay. And this cool. friend was, cool. um, cool. this friend was, uh, what do you call it? Uh, they, they found this out like over forty-eight hours mm. after I'd seen them, but I guess mm-hmm. they just wanted to, you know, like let me know out courtesy. I'm glad they did. You got to cover a- all your bases. Yeah, I took a test. I got a very faint positive. Like the kind where it's after the full 15 minutes, you're looking at it going, there is a line there, isn't there? That is is a line. line I think that's a line. Um, Took another one a few hours later just to make sure it wasn't a falsy. Um, And (laughs) yes, by that time, two other members of the cast had confirmed that they'd tested positive. Um, As of today, this morning, uh, I am negativo, which would suggest that I'm coming out of it. But obviously tomorrow I'll get another one and confirm. Um, but yeah, that's a shitter because not only is today a day to record a big damn case, would have been one to do it in person, but it's your fucking birthday. Happy birthday, boyo. Good news, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Oh, my. And that's all we'll say about that. Well, here, I can offer you some dark Terry's chocolate orange, which I don't want. No, Penny. Look at it. When you look at the middle of a top of a chocolate orange, it looks sort of like a a, a butthole on a statue. <laughs> like a bronze statue's bumhole. Look at that. It does look like a bronze statue's bumhole. That is a Ooh. rusty orange fist. Um, yeah, and, and then round the front, 
those like really modest uh, tiny penises and big ball sacks oh, that they all seem to have. Yes, yes. I love modest tiny penises <laughs> and big ball sacks. Um, what? <laughs> what Think are about we it. talking every, about? Every, every statue from a certain era of human uh, artistic expression has an incredibly modest peen and hilariously round and full testicles. And it makes me wonder whether or not all artists over like several hundred years just agreed, do you know what? So no one feels inadequate or overexposed or whatever. Should we all just go for the same template, which is an avocado sliced in half? Listen, Should we all go for that same look? Testies are besties. Testies are besties. <laughs> yeah. I, I, wanna, I just want to know if there was an artist out there who went the extra length, pun intended. And was like, nah, do you know what? My statue's going to be hung like a fucking horse. <laughs> and whether or not that did happen, but like too many kids at the park like swung off of it, climbing up the statue and snapped it off. And they all just went, do you know what? Let's make them small. Let's, <laughs> make, them, let's make them manageable and unremovable. Mm, I need my statues to have manageable penises. <clears throat> uh, no, I don't like this conversation, Christopher. This is where the podcast is going now. This is the future of this podcast, sir. No! Statues balls. The statue of limitations is balls. Oh, filth. Anyway. No. Statue um, of balls. How are you this fine morning now that you have aged again? I am. <laughs> On the calendar. So tired. Uh, <laughs> I'll right. tell you what I'm tired of. I'm tired is he going to segue into the news or is he going to... I'm tired about I'm tired of DC's aversion to Superman. Holy shit, he segued into the because news. Because you may have seen that some leaks came out of the upcoming Flash movie, which yeah. are yet to be confirmed, but... Yes. But that seems again, to be the way we get all the DCE well, news nowadays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, the... The scuttlebutt... <laughs> you said butt. The scuttlebutt um, is that in the upcoming The Flash, they're going to retcon out all of Zack Snyder's Justice League stuff. Jesus. Replace Batman and Bat... <clears throat> replace Batman and Superman with Supergirl, who's in the, the Flash movie, and yeah. the upcoming Batgirl... And have Michael Keaton as a sort of Batman Prime for right. their universe. Which, you know okay. what? Yeah, by all means, give us Supergirl, give us Superman. But when you've got Henry Cavill turning around going, hey, let me do another Superman, please. I, I quite like the character and I'd love to play him again. I have a lot of fun yeah. playing Superman. I'm not Welsh, but Chris always affects a Welsh accent. I don't so. know what I just looked. He looks Welsh, doesn't he? he I, looks I, don't Welsh. Know, I don't know what I meant. I don't know what <clears throat> somebody who looks Welsh looks like. Um he, he we'll put it this way, he fills out he fills out a woolen jumper pleasantly. Oh so God yes. That's a um, very well that's either very Welsh or very Cornish. Uh <laughs> <laughs> You're here, I'm Superman. Uh <laughs> I mean, when you've got, yeah, I like, I don't understand why DC are just like, we can't do Superman. We can't do it. We can't G do it. General, well. General, would you like to take this outside? I mean, I like the way. <laughs> uh, I like that we're doing a Batgirl and a Supergirl. This is good. This oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just like, it's yeah. just, they can't <laughs> stick with anything, can they? They can't, nope. they just can't follow through on anything. And it's just, 
they're like, oh, but there's sort of this, this, um, there's the course correction be... is, is, is blatant and, and front and center. That's, 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 yeah, it's gross. Well, yeah, it just seems to be constant course correction over sort of embracing a direction. Mm. Um, like, we both loved the Suicide Squad. But it, the Suicide Squad. It, it wasn't like the it was, Suicide Squad. It wasn't like it was maintaining a direction for the DCEU. It was very much its own thing. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. With minor links to previous films, um, references to other stuff. Yeah, like references like, to Batman. References to Superman. It could very well have been self-contained. <clears throat> like <clears throat> yes. you don't need to watch Birds of Prey or Suicide Squad 2016 to watch and enjoy the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Because all of the prior relationships are explained through dialogue and performance. Yeah. So, oh, they've worked together before? There we go. Yeah, cool. That's all She's you need. been in this group before? There we go. Yeah, that's all you need. Bosch. Bosch-ting, as the French would say. Well, well they just... Le Bosch-ting. But it would just be nice for them to just follow through on something, anything, without going, oh, we didn't get it right. Let's uh, go back to the drawing board again. But yeah. we're going to still keep using old elements. But we're gonna, it's going to be fresh, but we're still using old elements, but it's gonna also going to be fresh and new. But it's like, do one or the other. Like, do the Batman or do <laughs> Justice League 2. Obviously not in those, you know, that's not the binary <laughs> choice, but like, do it, do it. Like, follow on from the stuff you've already done or just start fresh. Don't half-ass it and do like an in-movie retcon. I just think it's, it's going to create more confusion than... And I like that's you, you want to lower the barrier to entry for these for these sort of high concept. I mean, all superhero movies are big now, but you st- if you want them to stay big, then you've got to sort of work with the general audience and not sort of put up these blocks of oh well, this is actually yes. a sequel to the nineteen eighty eight Batman movie, but it's also got Ben Affleck in it because it's also a sequel to Justice League Two. But then it's going <clears> to <throat> mess with all the timeline stuff and it's going to go all woo 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 like. The the most obvious comparison of recent times, and I'll keep it spoiler free for those who haven't yet, but like haven't seen it yet. But Spider Man No Way Home does an excellent job of going. We're going to acknowledge how other versions of this have worked and that they existed, and we're even going to tell a little more story of other versions of this property. Yeah, but this is a film about this Spider Man and his story. Yeah. And this stuff is all things that are happening to him. Yes. And now maybe The Flash will do that too, but the fact that The Flash is just one of the upcoming DC projects that tie into this shift in continuity is like, huh? And then you've got what? the and then you've got the the Batman going <clears throat> doing its own thing off in the corner. My, like... my friend, my friend Chris on the cast, I've just been working with. Um, uh, you, you saw him in Robin Hood. He was at Friar Tuck. Robin Hood. Um, Robin Hood. Yeah, uh, Friar Tuck, the <laughs> owner of the pub, the Three Legged Stallion, which is my favourite joke in that show. Because <laughs> it was just one of those like where you know people would go, "Oh my god!" Ah. So yeah, yeah, there it is. Um, <clears throat> like I never get laughs on stage, but you know afterwards people be like, "Does the pub mean big dick?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah." Um, you know, so like, n- not like statues. Um, so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Real big balls. Um, <laughs> uh, but Chris was saying to me the other day, he says, I've seen that new The Batman trailer. Where does this one fit in? Now, he's savvy. Chris is not like, you know, he, he's not a casual, casual moviegoer. He's a casual moviegoer who really bloody loves certain franchises and this, that, and the other. Like, massive Trekkie guy. He's loved his MCU. You know, this is this is his, his thing. 
But even he was had to take me aside the other day after watching the new The Batman trailer and go, so where does this fit in? I'm a bit confused. Mm. And I went, oh, it's um, it's completely new. And he went, right, hang on. So what, they're doing it all over again? And I went, well, for Batman they are. He was like, right. <laughs> he went, see, I'm, see, I'm confused. I was like, I thought maybe it was like a prequel to Bale, but a uh, prequel to Affleck, but Bale was a prequel to Affleck, wasn't he? He was before Affleck. And I went, yeah, but not in the films. He went, but he retired. So that's when you, when we meet him in Batman v Superman. Is that not the same as Bale's Batman? And I went, no. And he went, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was, do you know what I mean? It was like, I was, I was right there with him. I was like, yeah, fucking hell indeed. Like that's this true. is, this is ridiculous. And it almost makes me wish that they'd done stuff that we've talked about from day one. And yeah. thousands of other people around the planet have moaned about thousands of other nerds. They should have done Man of Steel. They should have done Man of Steel 2. They should have done a Wonder Woman film. They should have done a Flash film. All separate. And then if it worked out, merge them all together. There would have been no shame in copying what the other side had done because it worked. And no one owns copyright over introduce a bunch of things and then cross them over. That's existed for fucking hundreds of years. Yeah, that's... Like, it just, you know, it, it exists whenever two people get married. Because then their families become a crossover. Like it's it's the same thing. Like no one owns marriage is Avengers Marri- Endgame. Marriage um, is marriage is JLA Avengers. Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to resurrect George Jesus. Perez to draw the cover and break both his wrists this time. Um, he passed away over December. George Perez. Yes, we lost George Perez. Yeah, it's a fucking rough time, man. Fucking hell, man. Highlight, highlight. George Perez highlights. Go. His Wonder Woman stuff. His Wonder um, Woman stuff's amazing is uh, Avengers run yeah and if you can find it and you're gonna have to fucking dig JLA Avengers is pretty damn fun but mostly that big cover with everybody with at that point 1998 at that point every person who'd ever been a member of either team or either iteration of either team is on this giant cover that took him three months to complete and he broke his wrist doing it they did use the worst Thor costume as well. So it's not like he... Oh, they did. So that's just to add insult to injury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, bless him. Uh, on the DCEU fuck-up train, um, spoilers are Choo-choo! abound once again. It seems that whenever they shoot in the UK, whenever they shoot something in the UK, leaks happen. Uh, we had it with the Batman. We've, we had photos. Your friend of the show, Danny Sim, even sent us pictures from Liverpool of these billboards of this sort of... Uh, this like health drink kind of thing that seemed very prominent. That probably play drink. a role. No, but like, do you know what I mean? There was all these no, billboards. No, it, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> it, I, it'll probably end up being part of one of the mobsters' plans or rackets or something. It turns out and... that the real villain in the Batman is Huel. <laughs> <laughs> and but the film will be ironically sponsored by G Fuel. Ah, yes. So it'll be like, ah, the health drink killed you all. Now everyone take the sugary, keep you up all night supplement. Um. <clears throat> Keemstar was the real villain of the Batman. Oh, fuck. Um, um, it is I, the gnome. <laughs> Let's get right into the... And then Batman just punches him out and the credits roll and we all applaud for 20 minutes. Yay! Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, we the Batman, we knew that there's a funeral <laughs> sequence happening because Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson and several others were spotted very blatantly filming in funeral attire outside of a cathedral in, Lee, in, in Liverpool. Um... When Morbius shot in the northern quarter of Manchester, 
shitloads of like pictures leaked of the Spider-Man murals and things like that. Yeah. Um, and now the Batgirl. The Batgirl is filming in Glasgow. The Batgirl. Um, and they are, as of this recording, the filming hasn't started. By the time you lot are hearing this, the filming will have begun. Um, reportedly, Brandon Fraser's going to be knocking around Glasgow. So Glasgow will officially be the purest and most wonderful place on the planet for Brandon a Fraser, he's such a lovely bloke, isn't he? Fucking adore Brandon Fraser. Uh, no word on if J.K. Simmons is abound. Uh, Batgirl herself will be in attendance, fresh off of her Golden Globe win for uh, leading lady in West Side Story. Well, is it J.K.? <clears throat> yes, it is. So it is J.K. Simmons' is in, in Inspector Gordon? J.K. Uh, Simmons Commissioner is Gordon. Commissioner Gordon. Inspector Gordon. Go, go, gadget. Big fucking torch on top of the building. Go, go, gadget. Inability to recognize my daughter's face. Yeah, J.K. Simmons is confirmed as Commissioner Gordon for the Batgirl. And it is the Barbara Gordon Batgirl, right? It is the Barbara Gordon Batgirl. Um which would mean it's the DCEU, unless, of course, it isn't, because uh, Spotted, on on the streets of Glasgow, as the sets are being put in for some external filming, yeah. like different murals, we have two Black Canary posters, one yeah. for uh, what appears to be like a tour, uh, with uh, wavy sort of sonar lines, it says Black Canary up top, maybe it's an album release. Mm-hmm. Another one being a poster of her face, which looks like an album release. Looks like it's Journey Smollett. Yep. Looks like she's got short hair and a mask on. Yep. So whether Black Canary's gone forward as a pop star or a vigilante, I guess we'll never know. Why not this, both? This is either just an Easter egg to be like, hey, Barbara Gordon's usually involved in Birds of Prey. She wasn't in the film, so here's one of her co-stars in the background. Yeah, I suppose. Hugo Strange has been spotted on posters, specifically an illustrated version of him that was reminiscent of that very famous, I think it's Neil Adams cover. No, you go uh, strange. N- n- you go stranger. <laughs> Whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you. You go strange. Um, <laughs> and you know, you know that famous one with his big old rictus grin. Yeah, yeah. But without yeah, his glasses, he's not yeah. got his glasses, and there's like crossed out marks all over his eyes. So cool. either he's dead or people cool. are protesting him. Um, but most notable of all was a big fucking mural of Batman, like a big comic book style illustration on a brick wall facade that was going to be put up against a wall that looks like a comic book costume with elements of Keaton's outfit. Well, that would fit in with the leaks from The Flash that Keaton is going to be <clears throat> Batman for the Batgirl. Yes, but... 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 Later in the day, more pictures emerged of this mural. What? Showing Batman's not alone on this big picture. You're not alone. Next to him is a bright and colourful and about damn fucking time style image of Robin the Boy Wonder. Oh, but which Robin? Well, it's di- directly taken from one of the covers for Robin's 80th anniversary publishing stuff from the last oh, couple of years. Oh, yes. Because that seems to be the thing for these films. Like, with Morbius, they just take a promo image from somewhere yeah. else in, in the thingy and just touch it up a bit. Like, with yeah. Morbius, they just took the Insomniacs... Um, PS4 Spider-Man announcement image of the Sam Raimi movie costume, yeah. tweaked it slightly and put it on a wall, uh, and that seems and to be it, happening here. They've they've gone. We'll just make it look like a different style, like it's more of a spray paint thing. But he is yellow cape, red tunic, green shorts, like big old smile on his face. So the implication being, there was a goddamn Robin in this timeline for sure, for definite. Is this 
the Jason Todd um, murdered ha 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 jokes on you ha 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 Zack Snyder <laughs> Zack Snyder's so insecure he won't even attempt to make a movie with Robin the Boy Wonder in it ha 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 <laughs> um, <clears throat> just saying um, or uh, people will be like oh stop dissing on Snyder no because you know he would no. never have given it a try and you're all justifying that it's fine by going well Robin's stupid anyway fuck you Robin's awesome um, what is more badass than literally a kid beating the shit out of murderous criminals and 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 quipping like a badass. That's amazing. That is amazing. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't have a problem with it when Hit Girl did it, so... <laughs> come on. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just... I, I think this is interesting because it's adding to what you've just told us all about The Flash. Yeah. Where the fuck is this going? What the fuck does any of this mean anymore? Does any of this mean anything anymore nope. at all? <laughs> Next question. It's so strange. And it, it's, it's weird because it's like Gal Gadot this week finally answered the other uh, question that yes they are currently spinning the pre-production wheels uh for wonder woman 3 as in work has been done but there's no set date for filming yet um probably due to everyone's schedule maybe due to the fact that the film uh, section of dc and warners are going how the fuck do we make all this fit now <laughs> and and it's sort of it's it's opened up an interesting discussion because one big critique of Marvel's MCU, Marvel Studios, Disney, you know, at Paramount Universal early on, one big issue that a lot of people have with that is that the sense of uniformity. Some can feel it a lot more than others. Yeah. Um, it's never really bothered me. There is there is a sort of safety net level of filmmaking to a degree there, but I've never walked out of a Marvel film and gone, well, that was exactly the same as the last one. Personally, I know others will have had that feeling and that's totally fine because, again, it's all subjective. No, it's not totally fine, Chris. <clears throat> oh, never say anything's fine. Never say anything's fine, even jokingly. The internet will tear you a new arsehole. It's fine. Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking hell. Hey, let's talk about plot armour in Doctor Who. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You boring, boring bastards. Shut up. <laughs> Bring five Who fans back. No, because then we'd have to talk to you fuckers every day. Oh, my God. Oh, oh your approval means nothing to me. I'll see what makes you people cheer. Oh, um, God, it's so ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it, the, the uniform... All right, Cesar Romero. The, the uniformity of, of the Marvel stuff is noticeable to more people than it is to others. Yeah. But... Uh, I think the way the Marvel films work is they work perfectly well as a you see it once and then move on with your life kind of blockbuster. Mm. There are people who see each one once in the cinema and go, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then they move on with their life. Um, and then there are people who go, I enjoyed that enough that I would like to rewatch it. I'm going to buy it digitally. I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. And then they watch it again. And that's totally fine too. Mm. Um, like one thing that is apparent is the consistency of there being that shepherding from say Kevin Feige. Mm. Uh, and others, of course, like uh, um, uh, uh, Victor Alonso and, and and the casting director. She's done an incredible job on every single one of these films. Um, that consistency, that shepherding, that umbrella over it all has been to its benefit. Because you can leap into any one of those movies, have a decent time watching it on its own. But know that if you want to follow them in order, you're going to get more out of it. It, it won't take anything away if you don't watch them in order, but it'll add something. Um Whereas with the DCEU, they shut the bed from movie two. Like, movie two was where they shut the bed. <laughs> By starting the crossovers with the second film and making it a 
Batman's already had a history and him and Superman are going to be at odds and this, that and the other. It was very kind of, okay. And then they had to walk back the character's motivations and feelings at the end of that movie mm. in the last few scenes mm-hmm. to justify the next crossover that they did. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just never quite, it never sat right. And now there are two versions. Well, there are two versions of Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad based on which version you watch on home media. Yeah. There are two versions of the Justice League. <laughs> like, and and, and yeah. there are now warring audience factions who fight over them. Yeah. And like, most prefer the latter cut, obviously, but there are others that are like, yeah, but I don't mind the original because it fits in more with the, the other films. And then you have the directors coming out, some of them going, oh no, ours is based off of what we knew of Zack's original idea. So we don't think the theatrical one's canon. And it's just like, what is going on? What is the this? The fuck is going on? And it's one of the reasons why I've only really liked four films in this series. Because yep. Shazam, I get it. It's a superhero story set in a world of DC superheroes. I understand that because I don't need to know any continuity to know, oh yeah, Batman and Superman, that's cool. Like, great. Love it. Um, Wonder Woman works fucking well on its own. Mm. Like, you can get around the connection to Batman v Superman in the, the, the bookend sequences because you can just assume it's Diana present day and she knows Bruce Wayne. There you go. Sorted. Like, that's easy. The Suicide Squad, like you said, perfect standalone movie and you know what i'm gonna fucking watch it later today yeah (laughs) and um and uh oh god what's the other one i like jesus what is the other one i like birds of prey birds of prey really fun crime caper goofy ass comic book movie if you like deadpool you'll like birds of prey there you go it's also great because it's like it's it's, it's a similar like if if the two companies weren't like what the way they are that would totally be in like a a box set at the end of the the till at matalan on dvd at some point in the future (laughs) kooky kooky superhero capers you'd have like deadpool 2 birds of prey and i don't know fucking kick ass 2 because they're trying to shift copies of it you'd you'd have them in a box set together um and again also more people should pay attention to it because holy fuck female screenwriters directors producers and leads and it was one of the best action flicks of 2020. Yeah, and was. people slept it on it. it really people was. slept on it, and it's like, don't sleep on it. It's yeah. amazing. They should, <laughs> they should do a box set, DVD box set, Blu-ray box set of The Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey called "Don't Sleep on It." Well, <laughs> let me sleep on it, baby, baby. I don't have a pillow. Um, but yeah. they should, they should sell those two in a box set. Leave out Suicide Squad and watch people get really annoyed. Um, <laughs> Ah. But it's but it's because those two are are uh, R rated, so yeah. they should be in a box set together. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> what about Suicide Squad Extended Cut? D- Who what? cares? I'm, I'm an idea. Great. Go go to bed. Um, <laughs> go go home, wear prosthetics drunk. and do a terrible Mario impression in the House of Gucci film. Go, go away. home, you Jared Leto. Go away, Jared Leto. <laughs> um, Nobody likes you. Nobody no. <laughs> loves you. Uh, apart from your creepy cult who follow you to islands. Um, yeah, even those ones. Fuck them. So, like, now the downside to that, of course, is early days Marvel butted heads with a few people, like Edgar Wright and uh, Joss Whedon, <laughs> obviously had, like, quite a, a public um, fallout with Feige and Louis Despacito and everything over um, the decisions that he was allowed to make in Age of Ultron. Um, and there are other filmmakers who we'll never know about, like conversations we will never fully know the extent of, like we'll never fully know the extent of Patty Jenkins' conversations about directing Thor The Dark World and things like that. Yeah. 
Um, we only know what she's said out of, you know, politeness, what she's revealed. <laughs> um, which basically is, yeah, they wanted to handle all the action. So I said no. And yeah. then the talk went dead. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, it's very Marvel method. Like, having that guiding hand be above the movies... Some directors works as well for a film, though, as it does for... Well, well, some directors have adapted to it much better as a result because they've gone, all right, you're telling me that there are the toys I'm allowed to play with and here are two play sets you really want in the film. Buy all our play sets and toys. I I want to work with you on those play sets. Don't you just do it on your own. I want to look over it and have my give my ideas. And then for the rest of it, it's my baby. And I think that's that's way more apparent in films like Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, for example. Like yeah, watch, okay. when, you watch the, when you watch the Assemble documentary, it's clear the director was involved in all of that, even the stuff that would have been in play before he was given the job. Yeah. He yeah. was like, I want to be on top of this, or I want to at least inform this. Mm. Because compromise is a part of filmmaking. If you want to be completely in charge of your movie, you need to also be the producer of your movie. Like, there will always be someone above you who will make demands or changes or tweaks, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Sometimes they'll force you to put a weird thank you credit to them in the end credits of the movie. And a weird thank you credit as well. Hate it. Hate it. He, wear, he wears a venom beanie. Nope. He's creepy and he's seedy. Nope. He wants your lunchbox. Okay. No. Nope. Um, anyway. No, 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 no. God. Nope. But yeah, it's. Uh, so so there, are, there are positives and negatives to how the Marvel thing is run, but uh, ultimately it's overshadowed how the DC thing's been run. Yeah. Because that their mission statement early on was these are going to be creator led movies, but then they only really let one creator lead the movies for a bit. Yeah. And then chucked him. And then, ever since, it's just been this weird jumbled mess. Um, like, James Wan is a great filmmaker. I don't think of Aquaman as a James Wan film. Certain bits feel like a James Wan film, certainly. Like, conversations between characters in Aquaman feel very much like it's a James Wan film. Um, the shot of the trench yeah. as they descend into the water is like, that is straight out of his fucking imagination. Yeah, that is yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, some of the off-kilter humor that doesn't quite work but makes you laugh because it didn't work is very James Wan. Like, yeah. that, you know. And, and But like I, I don't look at Aquaman and go, that's a James Wan film. So maybe do have a shepherding hand across all this at some point, but not a racist one. Jeff Johns. Sorry, I, I don't know where that came from. Um, I still want to know the full extent. I still want to know the full extent of all this. I'll tell you what. Ray Fish has been poking uh, Walter Hamada a lot more lately and making a point of saying accountability uh, greater than entertainment. Stop poking Walter Hamada. Get <laughs> no, excited. No. Oh, oh yeah. No, maybe don't then. We have one more bit of DC news. What do you want? The Batman. Kill. Which is not- which the is not Batman. a prequel, which is not a prequel, and it's not a sequel, and it's, it's completely Kill separate. Kill the Batman! But it also um, might be involved. He'll probably cameo in The Flash somewhere just to really fuck with everybody. Who knows um, or gives a shit? A <laughs> um, few bits of news to the Batman. The uh, People are getting their hands on the first action figures from the Batman, uh, most prominently the McFarlane Toys versions. And if anyone out there is collecting DC figures from McFarlane Toys, who've been making them now for the last two years... Stop lying to yourself. They're <laughs> ugly as shit. They are ugly as shit. I saw Stop a load of them this weekend, this past weekend in HMV. 
They're fucking awful looking. Like, bodies. Bodies, torsos, articulation. Fair enough. There's a lot of great paint detail, but every likeness of a real-life person looks fucking dog shit. It's so bad. And I know that, like, the scanning tech on Hasbro's stuff for Marvel and Star Wars can be hit and miss, but you can at least look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's Daisy Ridley. Oh, yeah, that's Chris Evans. Like, this, you're like, the fuck are these people? Um... The Robert Pattinson Batman looks like his face is melting outwards from the bottom of his cowl. I've got to find some of these. It's rich. Just look, McFarlane Toys, the Batman. It's fucking strange. But the toys also gave us our first look before the big promo images came out. Um, First high-res promo images of Paul Dano's Edward Nashton, a.k.a. the Riddler, which has caused a bit of a shitstorm online because the first, the Batman trailer, is kind of a work of art. The trailer from late 2020 is a fucking, is a beautiful two plus minute piece of media that like, I've revisited that first trailer a load of times. I think it looks real good. <clears throat> like, it's a great looking trailer. Yeah. I've, I, I liked the second trailer, but started to feel a bit kind of, I don't know, hesitant personally, because I was like, is this just going to be the same as other versions of Batman that we've seen on Senate? Why, why are they all so afraid of being a little bit more fantastical? Why? Now, maybe it isn't. Maybe we'll get into the movie and the first thing we'll fucking see is like Clayface. We'll be like, oh, God. Oh, they're actually doing it. And they just kept Clayface. it quiet. Do you know what I mean? Or like the ventriloquist. It's like, they're actually going for this. Okay. I mean, they're not the um, worst action figures I've ever seen, but I get what you mean. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? All the faces look melt. Look up. Look up. The Suicide Squad's... Um, uh, oh, shit. Bloodsport. Okay. Like, the main one is fine, but look up the, the chase version, which is meant to be Idris Elba. Because, Jesus Christ. And then look up Peacemaker. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Because fucking hell. Um, So, the Riddler's costume for the Batman, we got glimpses of it in that first trailer without even realising it. The dude in the mask pulling apart the the gaffer tape in the first trailer was the Riddler. Um, We now know for sure that that is him. Lego figures and action figures and all sorts have been revealed. And essentially what he looks like is if um, one of the Gallagher brothers uh, were pulling a robbery last minute and could only find a gimp mask. <laughs> like, it's, it's, mean, it's his coat is only missing fur around the hood. I, I don't hate it. I don't, I, I'm, but I don't care about it enough to hate it. You know what I mean? No, that's the thing. Yeah, I don't hate it out of context because I'm like, well... Based on what we've seen of the trailers, presumably he's doing all of his work in secret. It's about like people finding things he's left behind. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he's getting on on uh, on a stage or standing on a giant typewriter in a theme park and going like, "I am the Riddler." And like, more why that, not? It's more that he's laying traps and laying out this that, and the other. But the second yeah. trailer showed us a very Ledger's Joker, Dark Knight style him on TV screens God. in his mask, and I'm like. Okay. And then to sort of see that he's etched the question mark on his coat, it's like, all right, so they want to have costume elements, but they don't want to have costume elements. And yet they do. And yet they do, but they don't, but they do. And it's very like, I think for me, it's more just sort of, are they, why are they so scared? <laughs> why are they so scared? Why are you so just having the Riddler? Like there are kids toys for this movie, which still baffles the fuck out of me. Like I get it, but I also don't get it. But yeah, like, it does not like, I mean, there were kids' toys with the Dark Knight. 
And that was oh, like yeah. a friendly movie. Like, but those toys like cartoonied the characters. Did you, do you remember? There was like a Joker with a proper. So he looked. He had like completely white skin and no no scar, and he just had a big red smile and wavy hair, and it was like okay. So they're kind of going for a for a, for the younger kids who definitely want to play with Batman stuff, but might not go and see the movie or go see the movie with their parents. Here's some more kid friendly stuff that's a bit more cartoony and in line with what your kid you'd want your kids to play with. But I still don't like it, you see. But like this one is like here's the kids' toy of Gimp Man. And it's just like, <laughs> that's weird. Catwoman's not called Catwoman on any of the merch. She's called Selena Kyle. Fair enough. And it's that thing of, at first I was like, oh, so her with the balaclava on and the the sort of where the, the stitching meets at either side of her head is sort of like a little nod to cat ears. But now I'm like, oh, is this as far as they're going to go with the Catwoman thing? Maybe not. All of this is just preemptive yeah, bullshit. We could be judging it ahead of time. Weird, isn't it? <clears throat> but it is very, it's weird. And, and it caused a lot of discussion online in circles that weren't like, comic book movie news circles about the riddler hd picture reveal yeah um a lot of people going like what's wrong with this and just posting photos of like frank gorshin in his suit version and you know uh, the version from gotham and it's like yeah i do hope at least once in this movie paul dano gets to be in a fucking suit like at least once even if it's not like emblazoned in question marks give us a green suit with a bit of purple on it and just be like there you go there's you, there's you, there he is. Look, they're not frightened of putting him in a suit. Because <laughs> um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, if you're ever like, yeah, but this is grim and gritty, your lead is a billionaire with mental health issues who punches poor people whilst dressed in a rubber bat costume. <laughs> the fact that Batman is somehow given a pass, but all the villains, oh, we're a bit too ashamed of them. Let's make them look gritty and realistic. is so weird to me. Yeah. I find it so weird that that's the mentality people have developed around Batman. Like, I just, I'd, oh, God. Just, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Batman's weird. Yes. Embrace the weird. Yes, it is. Embrace it. Like, just go for it. Batman is weird. <clears throat> and I think you should oh, embrace man. it and go for it. I think that's my barometer now. I think my brain just instantly assesses any new Batman adaptation and goes, does this look like a world where they'd ever have a Robin? No. Then I kind of have an issue with it. <laughs> I get you. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, the Arkhamverse is gritty and grim. But not only do I buy that there would be a Robin in that world, they gave us a version to sort of go, yeah, here's how we do it. And he's like, all yeah, right, that's true. I buy it. It's still, it's it's like, he's more of a high school senior, but it's like, he's still a teenager with a yellow freaking lining in his cape fighting criminals. I buy this. I completely buy this. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I'd buy that yeah. for a dollar. You would buy that for a dollar. You're always buying things for dollars. Yeah, which is weird, considering I've never been to America. Um, or Canada. <laughs> Oh, Canada. Um, see what I did there? Yes. I don't. I can't see anything. <laughs> it's all gone dark. Sweet baby dreams. <laughs> oh, God. What say you from the world of the world, Mayhew? Aside from that blood so, sport figure that you just looked at and yeah, that's, a horrified expression. It's not good. It's not good. Peacemaker <laughs> one's not as bad, but the, the, the blood sport one's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> when are we getting Peacemaker? We still don't know. We don't know. But you know what we did get? <gasps> what did we get? <laughs> Toast, baby. Yeah, we fucking did. Toast uh, of Tinseltown. I've only watched... Is a vague review of the first three episodes. <laughs> yeah, I've only watched the first three. I've not had time to watch more yet, but... Um... It's pretty fucking good. <laughs> 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 it's one of those shows where you watch it and go... 
How the fuck did they get this person to come and do this? Hey. Well, I'll tell you how. Zoom. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, well, some of it, yeah. Rashida so Jones, Jones, though. What's her Rashida Jones, yes. How Rashida the fuck Jones did they get Rashida Armisen? Jones for this? Just insane. It's great. I, it's, it's, it's toast, but American flavoured. Well, that's the what, thing. What do you, what do you want? Um, so for those who don't know, Toast of London was a Channel 4 comedy series from 2013, uh, 2014 and 2015, roughly, um, featuring a, uh, a, a sort of unsuccessful um, but seasoned actor called yeah. Stephen Toast, played by Matt Berry, who uh, lived with his landlord, Ed Hauser Black, and <laughs> hung, regularly hung out at the Colonial Club for Actors and Ex-Military and uh, was in... Uh, there's loose story arcs in each series, because it's a sitcom, so it's six episodes each, and it doesn't mean anything. And but it's, it's, a, like, the first series story arc is he's in the shittest play in town, and yeah. that's kind of affecting his day-to-day. In the second series, he's trying to sort of expand more, finally, and it's not quite working. Um, yeah, and it's just about, essentially, his love life, his attempt at a more successful career, his rivalry with um, similarly... <laughs> similarly dressed and mustachioed actor Ray Bloody Purchase, um, Purchase! And, his, and his subsequent ongoing affair with Ray Purchase's wife. Um, <laughs> it's it's just it's it, it's stupid. It's, it's stupid. Well, for anyone who's familiar with Matt Berry's previous <clears throat> work, it's absurdist in the extreme. But yeah. also for anyone who's familiar with what it's like being an actor, yeah, yeah, it's very close to the bone. Like, it's painful. It is, it's painful it sometimes. Um, None more so exhibited uh, as it is in the voiceover sessions at Scramble Studios, a real voice studios. That's really its name. <laughs> I used to walk past it every morning yep. when I was doing Dennis. It's a real place. And that freaked me out because when I first started, I, I got into Toast of London after the fact on Netflix about four odd years ago. I think we first started talking about that. Yeah. This thing is fucking brilliant. It is. Um, and I like the fourth episode or whatever starts with an establishing shot of that studio. And I was like, I walk past that every morning yeah. during a job. What the fuck? So it's always weird to me that they make it look like it's on a main street. So I'm like, no, it's in a little square. It's in a little square. They're all in little things. squares. Um, I, um, I wonder if the real Scramble Studios has a real Danny Bear and a real Clem Fandango. And yes, you can hear them. Um, <laughs> God, that that one hit me like fucking a ton of bricks. That's the one where it's sort of like, we just think Christ. that... Um, Let's go for another take, which is a little looser. What does that mean? What does that fucking mean? Um, Yeah, it's it's absurd and beautiful and stupid. And um, a long time they tried to get another one done, but it was down to several things. Uh, Partially down to Matt Berry's availability. Partially down to Channel 4 being really hesitant to commission a fourth series. Um, We'll never really know exactly why it took um, so long for them to go, do you know what? Fuck it. We're going to the BBC because Matt Berry very rarely gives interviews. He doesn't like being interviewed. It's not a thing he enjoys. So he very rarely gives interviews and co-creator Arthur Matthews um, did an interview this week to prove that he's a bit of a cunt. So um, don't go read that interview. Who, oh my or, god. Or do go read that the, interview. The co-creator of Father Ted turned out to stand behind the other co-creator of Father Ted's um Great. not necessarily beliefs, but to back him up and say anyone attacking him is being a bigot. <sighs> Get in the bin, Arthur Matthews. Get in the sea. 
Well, the beauty of Total London is you don't have to look at Arthur Matthews. No, that's true. You look at Matt Berry instead, who in this series, Toast of Tinseltown. <laughs> uh, a new show, technically the fourth series of Toast of London. Well, it threw me um, because it ended up, it was released on BBC iPlayer as opposed <clears throat> to Channel 4. Yeah. So it's BBC have taken it over for this. Not only that, a week before, BBC added the entire original three series to iPlayer. So they now have the broadcast license for Toast of London. Um, Toast of Tinseltown is different in a few ways. It's a half hour episode each time instead of 20 minutes. Because yep. obviously before it was a Channel 4 half hour with ad breaks. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so there's more bang for your book, which I think, I'll be honest, I think pacing wise, I'll have to get used to. Because it did feel a bit weird sometimes. I was like, it's still going on. What's going on? I'm yeah. a bit confused. Yeah, I get you. Um, but also I understand that, yeah, they're not going to trim 10 minutes off when BBC make half hour or hour long programmes as standard. So it would be weird to do that for them. But it's also going out one a week. Unless, as Matthew said, you go to BBC iPlayer, where all six episodes are available to watch right fucking now. Um <laughs> And I spent a good two nights last week binging the whole thing because <laughs> I just wanted it in my life. Toast of Tinseltown. Toast has finally had enough fucking stress and, and lack of success in London and does what he's been threatening to do since early series one of Toast of London. He pisses off to the States. Yeah. Um, namely after de- getting a role off of Ray Purchase. Yeah. That we later find out, um, well, you'll see, but Ray is still involved because why would they not have Harry Peacock in more than one episode? Yes. Of course he's going to be in more than one episode. Um, what was really cool is episode one is like the closest they can get to doing a new episode of the original run. Yes, it is. It's sort of like, it's the transition from <clears throat> Toast of London to Toast of Tinseltown. Yeah, and some of the sets are recreated. Jane Pluff's office is recreated very yeah. well. Um, Toast and Ed's flat is recreated like completely faithfully. Yeah. Um, although from one angle, so you're like, yeah, the other side of the room's not been made, <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. fine. Um, the Colonial Club, they just shit the bed and went, oh, just put them in a green room with some <laughs> tables. No one cares. Because that's to be fair. In the first couple series, the Colonial does change yeah. a bit, but it was very like, yeah, that is not where they had the um, celebrities and prostitutes blow football no. tournament. <laughs> and it is, it is, you know, absurdist enough for that to not really matter. And they, but they, they keep certain things like some of the patrons are actors that used to play the patrons in the background in the original. Role, yeah, yeah. Including the bloke they would always dress up in Tom Baker's Doctor yeah. Who costumes, who this time is just flat out wearing a series twelve <laughs> costume. And is in the scent is in like the foreground of the picture of the frame. And who toast owes nearly a grand. Yes, yes, he does. Um fucking <laughs> mental. Um so we get we get to we touch in uh, briefly with uh, with uh, Mrs. Purchase, Tracy Ann Oberman reprises her role briefly. We see uh, Blair, his brother, makes a cameo appearance, so he's still around. Um still looking terrifying with his prosthetic hand covered in a kitchen glove. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh jane oh my i was i thought i was gonna miss jane because i knew that the moment we transferred to a different country jane wouldn't be in it anymore but it's okay except, except she is it's just she's just not playing jane <laughs> and she's sort of she's sort of reprising a, a it's a different character but it's similar to a role she played in the second series Do you remember when he tries to get an american agent in the second series yeah and they meet in a car in a car park and yeah she, there it's more a plastic surgery commentary like her face doesn't move yeah and it's the same actor this time around, she's playing a different agent, but they've gone for the whole, 
like leathery sun sunburnt skin. Yeah, like. not, not so much sun kissed as sun <clears throat> yeah. sun smashed. She looks like she looks like the seats in a fifties Cadillac. Yeah, she's just oh god, and her office is in a car. Um, one thing that struck me immediately with this as soon as the second episode started was, oh, they've just filmed this over here. They've just filmed this yeah. in the UK. And I do wonder about that because the plan from what an early indication was a few years ago when they first announced that this is what's next for Toast and it'll be out at some point. Yeah. Was that they were going to shoot in the States. But because Matt Berry's over there doing what we do in the shadows. Yeah, because he does a bit of shooting in New York and a lot of it's in Colorado. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, Canada's where the production's based, but they'll shoot some stuff in New York for certain scenes because obviously it's set on Staten Island. Yeah. The island of Staten. And um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and so the plan was obviously going to be shoot over there. Now, maybe the pandemics changed that. Maybe they did shoot it over there for portions, but they just did it in a studio. Yeah, who could say? Because a lot of this is studio bound. Yeah. Like a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, outdoor is projection. It's very reminiscent of series two of The Mighty Boosh, where they do a lot of stuff yeah. like, in deserts and things, but it's clearly just a projection at a studio. Yeah. Which kind of works because you, you look at Matt Berry and you see a very Boosh esque shot and you go, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That feels right. Um, there, there is, as you, as you mentioned earlier, a very blatant, I think it was before we recorded, a very blatant Garth Marenghi's Dark Place shout it's out. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <clears throat> fucking ridiculous. Not even just a shout out. Just Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Just Matthew Holness. Just Matthew Holness making his second appearance, I think, in Toast. Cause he, yeah, he's that director. One of them, he like screams and then gets blown up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, this is like the, this is like the second Matthew Holness cameo, but he, Full on just asks Toast if he's ever played a doctor. And it's like, <laughs> that's Garth Marenghi <laughs> asking that question to his best buddy. But if you and he want to be buddies again, I won't stand in your way. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God. I fucking love Dark Place so much. I what, love it so it's, much. It's fucking perfect, isn't it? It's oh, so good. What we so do in the Shadows fans will be satiated because there are at least uh two very blatant cameos in this they're not even cameos they're not even cameos <laughs> they're just roles all right N- natasia demetro and um and Kevin novak Kevin novak right out the bat as well <laughs> just like week one here's the guest star it's like okay sure um keeping his luscious locks beard gone well um, you know Kevin Novak's a ridiculously handsome guy. He's he? very handsome. And it's sort of nuts. <laughs> very, very, like, very talented mimic and very talented with accents and stuff as well. Oh, just gentle yeah. scouse in this. Yeah. <laughs> My favourite gag in the first episode is clearly a time padding gag. <laughs> you know exactly which one I mean, don't you? I know exactly Where after the calmness retreat, Toast like, <laughs> walks away and you clearly see he's left his suitcase on the stairs and what follows is like eight different shots of him walking through the same establishing shots from the when he arrived there yeah and then getting to the gate and sort of going like snapping his finger up like, <laughs> oh. walks back through all those shots again just to take his suitcase and then leaves again they're just like they're wasting a minute and a half of our time on this but that's kind of why i love it because it's so fucking stupid <laughs> um uh, what's his name uh james tp no uh <laughs> Derek Tent. Uh, no, very good. I love that convention that stuck good. around. 
And I love when we start meeting more people in... They never say LA or Hollywood. It's Tinseltown. It's Tinseltown, yeah. Um, which which is my one my one gripe with the show, funnily enough, is Toast of London feels like it's also very much a commentary on the capital. Like, in a way that people who've been there can sort of see it. Yeah. People who've not been there get it because of osmosis. Whereas this is very much like, oh, it's not LA. It's like, but it is, though. It's like, but it isn't. And I think the lack of location filming does feel odd for Toast. Yeah. Like, it feels weird that we're not in more places outside that are real. Um, in the fifth episode, you'll go to one that's um, very famously... <laughs> you'll go to one very famously in the fifth episode that you, as a sitcom fan, yeah, will instantly recognise where they are actually filming, despite the fact they're claiming it's a Wild West town. I mean, the establishing shot of this location is exactly the same as the establishing shot of it in Gunman of the Apocalypse. <laughs> so it's like, I fucking know where you are. You're down south in the UK filming this. <laughs> I can tell. That episode's got an amazing guest turn from Aidan Turner as well, but I'll say no more. Um, <clears throat> and a couple of other returning actors as well who've been in it before. Good. But um, yeah, uh, ultimately, it's really stupid and I love it. Fred Armisen is a great inclusion because without Ed, who does cameo, yes, yes, but without Ed, you need a flatmate. So they've gone the opposite. Instead of being a very affable, very sort of oddly calm and fine with everything, and slightly sexually devious like flatmate in the form of Ed, yeah, we've now got the incredibly neurotic, potentially um, uh, dealing with OCD but refusing to ever like look into it. Character played by Fred Armisen. Mm-hmm. Who does a really good job. We have cameos from uh, stateside folks. Like you said, Rashida Jones is a recurring character in the series. Yeah. They got Rashida Jones. Um, Bill Hader uh, is part of the plot of one episode. Um, In the opening few minutes of the first one, Larry fucking David is in it. He he comes back as well. Yes, he does. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Because you can't, you can take Toast out of the voiceover studio, but you can't take the voiceover studio out of a Toast no, show. No, you cannot. So Danny and Clem do show up again, and quite right too. Um, and the most beautiful recurring gag, and it's unknown whether or not this was something he would have known about in production on this, but Toast is in Tinseltown because he's got a role in the new Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's the same freaking week that we all <laughs> found that Matt Berry was in Boba Fett. <laughs> it's like, oh, for God's sake. In voice only, but still. Bib Fortumir. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's obviously holding back in that show and doing it more straight. Not too but he can't much he can't help himself with certain pronunciations. Um I really recommend Toast of Tinseltown. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna go to iPlayer to watch it. I would recommend just going to the start of Toaster London and treat yourself. It's bum, fucking absurd. Bum, bum. Bum, 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 oh, that's bum, really disorienting bum. to me. Yeah. The theme music just being what what the hell? the theme the theme tune has to go to Tinseltown as well. The end credits has changed completely as well. Oh yeah. There's no songs. It's the first series where there are no songs. Like series two. There are songs on and off based on the episodes. Uh, okay. Sometimes the songs are diegetic. Sometimes they're non-diegetic. Okay. Um, 
Okay. There's there's not many in tonight. That one. Yeah. That moose trap. So fucking weird. This series, there are none except the end credits is a new song by Matt Berry, but he doesn't sing on it. Yeah. And um, and in the Natasha uh, Demetriou episode, she has a song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, she does. Um, which, do, which does then, it, it, the song gets referenced again in another one coming up. <laughs> but, um, so it's very odd that they've cut the music out of it. I wonder if that's him just going... I'll tell you now, I can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this shit. Um, I want me to quote him from most of season three of um, What We Do in the Shadows. Mm. Can't be fucked. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, Toaster London made a cameo in series three when Laszlo's at the piano and, 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 and Guillermo yeah, talks to him about London. Playing theme, yeah. He's playing the theme song to Toast of London, um, which is it's lovely. very good. Um, meta. Um, speaking of Matt Berry being in Star Wars, last thing we want to touch on this week before glancing at the emails. Yes! Uh, Book of Boba Fett episode two. Uh, we did speak about episode one, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We, we did speak about, about episode one. We talked one. about that and Eva the Daleks last week. Yes. But this episode of the Book of Boba Fett was much chunkier and larger mm. and dense. And was still mostly flashback. Mostly flashback. But, but what it did this time... When it's flashback it... this good, I don't care. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It was like 20 minutes of the present day. Mm-hmm. And then it went, fuck you, and went back to like however many years ago for the rest of the episode. Yeah, and I'm was... really intrigued. To fact... So spoilers mm. for Book of Boba Fett uh, episode two. Yeah. Um, I'm really intrigued to find out what happened with the Tuscans. Because it, the way that he's, the way that this episode ends seems like he's in no hurry to leave them. Yeah, he's kind of like found. He's kind of started he's kind of a new peace. life. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, "Fuck bounty hunting. I'm gonna learn from these guys. I'm gonna teach them what I can." Is the tribe gonna, gonna get wiped out? Do we think? And that's gonna lead. Well, him they've on to... they've made some enemies, they and maybe that's why he's like. That's why he went for Jabba's throne. Yeah, yeah. Because we all assumed from the end of Mandalorian that it was like, a, you know, well, obviously he's gonna go back and wreck shit because like that was the end of his life nearly because yeah. of the stuff that went on there. So he's gonna go back and fuck shit up and. Like they could have ended his story with him just sitting on the throne at the end of Mandalorian series two, and we all would have gone, "That's pretty fucking cool." Mm. But now it looks like, like all good storytelling, there's a reason why he wants to do this. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you're right. I, it hadn't really hit me, but I think you're right. That's something. I feel some like shit's gonna go down. Up. Yeah, because we haven't seen any Tuscans in the present day on this show. We have in no. Mandalorian, but it's been, as we learn in this, it's been the fringe groups, the ones that we've met in. Uh, a new hope and the mandalorian yeah are are actually not and again this is retconned uh, but good it's a good retcon they are savages and murderers who live on well, the fringes it, it of ma- the desert it might be the other way around it might be that the tribe that bob has found himself a part of are the unusual ones well um, they do seem a lot more civilized than the ones we've met before in terms of the fact that they have more of a of a hierarchy and well, that they, being clear, said, and they so, clearly look out after each other and everything, whereas so do the ones Star that Wars we do media, in the Mandalorian, though. Well, yeah, but more well, I think prior it's Star a Wars more media than that. Yeah, well, in the original trilogy, it yeah, oh yeah, wasn't yeah, but cause... how much how much screen time do the do the Tuscans have in the original trilogy? George just codes them in a way that at the yeah, time no, we were yeah, like, no, there's oh, absolutely a, yeah. an he element co- he of codes coding, them in a way where it's yeah. like, oh, they're sort of they're yeah. they're, they're they're monsters in the, in the cliffs, and everyone's got to yeah, deal with them. Absolutely. And then by the time of the prequels, you're like, George, the way you the, the yeah the, the, the viceroy is a bit 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, the way this guy's... Oh, the Gungans are a little... Oh, oh, you're bringing back the Tuscan Raiders. Oh, oh, did you call them sand people because... Oh, no, yeah. no. Oh, God, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think it's, about it. Yeah, it's... it's um, yeah, uh, where, I, is, where, I, is, where is the Favreau and Filoni shows yeah. have done so much more work to be like, no. Well, that's been something that I've really liked <laughs> about The Mandalorian that has continued through into Book of Boba Fett and, even, and done even better yeah. is the way that they're sort of humanising the Tuscans and... I mean, the Jawas as well. Them, and, and the Jawas. We, and got, the Jawas, to, we yeah. got to see them a bit more and learn um, more about them as a society and as, 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 as a group and the fact that they're not native to Tatooine. Well, well, not, well in... This well, is the, the, the Jawas aren't, yeah. In, in old canon, mm -hmm. the Jawas and the Tuscans were offshoots of the same original race that, lived okay. on, that were native to Tatooine before the oceans dried up. Okay, right, yes, that'd explain a lot. Okay. But then they diverged after that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they'll do that again, but that's just an interesting tidbit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing they've done with uh, with the Tuscans in this, and Boba sort of becoming part of the tribe and and teaching them stuff and them teaching him stuff and him going on his vision quest and be, and getting inducted as a as a member of the tribe. I think it's really cool. The train sequence, the the train heist is great. <gasps> it's very was... western. It's like it's it's definitely leaning back into the sort of the, the Star influences Wars is of Star Samurai Wars. Yeah. and Westerns. Samurai Western. Like, Samurai that's Westerns, what it is. but in a sci-fi setting. Um, and and I mean it was it was it was definitely the coolest sci-fi train heist uh with that Western flavour since like Firefly. Yeah. Where there's a whole episode about that that's really fucking. I mean, weird. I'd argue that it pisses any over anything Firefly did. Oh no, like... no, oh oh well yeah, but we've we got to the point now where they <laughs> these guys have the money to yeah, like, exactly. do whatever exactly. they want. But like, um... that was always my favourite prior example of a sci-fi does a, a Western train heist. Because Star Wars has done it before, but no fucker remembers the solo train heist. No. Because it's in the clouds, like on railings and it's zipping through the sky. And though it was a pretty cool sequence in that movie, like it's this, just is, this is a fucking train heist. Yeah, like, this is like... a train heist. And it's really well done. And that robot, who's the, the droid who's oh, um, that, yeah. piloting it and clearly shitting itself. He just itself, fucks like, right oh. up. Yeah. <laughs> just jumps out of the train and then schools off. <laughs> I love it. Love the droid design in this. <clears throat> also worth mentioning, the, the droid that Matt Berry voices yes. is the same droid from Return of the Jedi that's torturing the gonk droid. Yes, yes, <laughs> I like realise that. Lowering yeah. the... The uh, the heat that like the, the branding on its feet. Branded on its feet. <laughs> so it's the same droid. So he just fucking loves torture, which um, is really worrying because I've just realised. Hang on, droids can feel pain. Oh yes. <laughs> Holy fuck, George, um, what are you doing? <laughs> also, want to give a shout out to the work that Joanna Bennett is doing as the Tuscan warrior. Mm, um, she's yeah. a stunt performer on loads and loads and loads and loads of stuff. Yeah. But in this, she's playing the 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 Tuscan warrior with the sort of the the the, the dreadlock wraps. Yeah. The almost. one the one who yeah. the one who like schools him properly in the, yeah. in the, in yeah. the staff work and the one yeah. who teaches him how to use staff and like fucking saves the day in the train heist. And, yeah. But the her. Like oh, that was that was physical. so fucking cool. They're suddenly yeah. getting snowed under, and that last speeder pulls up. Yeah, and you see the dreads, and you're like, "Oh, it's this one." Okay, well, she, she just drives it into the fucking train and jumps on. It's like, and then wreck shit. 
Yeah. Um, but the, the, the her physical performance and like the body language that she she gives, she she utilizes stillness yeah, very it's well. Very, very, yeah. I mean, all the all the Tuscan performers are really really great. Like like the the, um, the lead the leader of the the group, the the sort of yeah. the chief is like again just very stoic. It's I think I think that's what their strength is in they're they're picking very physical performers. Yeah. And allowing them to be still. Definitely. Definitely. Which which sounds weird. People might be like, anyone could just stand still. Nah, seriously. There is an art to looking intimidating, concerned, like pensive, whatever, with your face completely covered and your body not moving very much. There is an art to doing it and you looking at them and going, I know what they're feeling. Yeah. Like, it's not as easy as just fucking standing there. Like, it's... And it's something that stunt performers, ballet dancers, like, there's a very select group of people who can do it brilliantly. Um... And and that's something that these series have done quite well. Their casting has been lovely. There was mm. a lovely another little casting nod in this. The couple in the bar that uh, yes. terrorised yes. are apparently from one of the comics. No, they're not from comics. So it's different actors, obviously, but mm. they're two of Luke's friends from the deleted scenes in episode right. four. There we go. There we go. Which would make sense because this is post Jedi. Yeah. So they'll only be about. Six years older six years, at most yeah. than than they would have been in the New Hope. But that's, that's the two, that's fucking the two characters are. Um, that's fucking genius. And also, we get a first peek at who I hope. Well, who I hope we're going to see a lot more of for this series because it's an it's a another character that's coming in from the Marvel from the new Marvel comics into mm-hmm. um, live action. Into live action, fucking Chrysanthemum. Yeah, the big old scary Wookiee. Although terrifying. Although either either he's had his eye repaired or he's healed over because not very scarred on his face. But I don't like, know. I thought he looked pretty scarred. But costume. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's that big fuck off shoulder pad. It was like the moment he arrived, I was like, no way are they doing this. Yeah, they're doing oh, him. Because the thing is, him and Bobber have bumped heads before in the comics. So yeah, Bobber's taking one look at him and going, oh fucking hell, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, I want to throw shade on him immediately. Yeah, post empire, like, post empire, post imperial rule. Like, of course he's going to be looking for new work. Of course he is. Yeah. So why not get? Why not shift from one horrific, like, evil government to a criminal empire and be their enforcer? Because as the Clone Wars firmly established, the Hut family is a big ass gangster organization throughout the galaxy. Several of them were massacred in the events of Clone Wars um, by Maul when he and, um, uh, oh God, what's his brother called? Uh, Savage. Savage. When, when Savage they, Opress. Savage, Savage Opress, yeah, where them and the uh, the Mandalorian, um, the, the Mandalore sort of extremist Death Watch. Yeah, he's getting yeah he's getting up to speed on Clone Wars. It took yeah, me a while, yeah, but I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. when their when their takeover begins, a lot, of the hut, a lot of the huts get slaughtered, and Jabba is essentially the most senior one who's alive. But Jabba's dead, and yeah, yeah, he's apparently got cousins who are twins and a little bit incestuous. <laughs> At least that's the implication. There's that yeah, big kind it's of like tails intertwined. They're intertwined, and, yeah. and and it's the whole thing of like you've made my sister very upset, and all this. Sort yeah, of oh like, yeah, oh. yeah. But we get we get huts. We've got huts being carried around by like sixteen very fucking strong tiny dudes. Well, they're sort of <laughs> paying off the um the the idea of everyone being carried around on a litter. Yeah, with this <laughs> fucking enormous one for these huts, <laughs> like three lanes um, long. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking the Ithorian mayor. 
Yes. Like, like him yes. being an Ithorian and having the translator device on and that fucking makeup slash puppet slash CGI. Mm. They, oh, wow. Wow. Mm. This show looks amazing. Mm. It looks gorgeous. And it's just really good. Like It's they're really sa- good. They're saving... Because obviously it's Disney. They've got all the money. But the Dave Filoni and others have talked about how like they're not given all the money in the world to make this. They're not given like a movie budget per episode. They're given a movie budget per series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they save their money by relying on brilliant actors and straightforward practical effects as much as possible and having a lot more dialogue or ambient scenes or, or dialogue-less scenes that tell the story just through visuals that aren't too extravagant. So you get at least one big set piece per episode, mm. but then the rest of it's quite still. I mean, so much of this, the reason why this episode was so enjoyable was the tense conversations at the beginning where you're like, right, so the mayor is totally playing this on purpose. Like, they are playing this to their advantage whilst also playing innocent. Yeah. The major domo is the one giving away that there's more happening here. Yeah. And even he shits the bed when they just walk past him into the mayor's office. Yeah. And he suddenly breaks his, like, icy sort of, hmm, I'm a sarcastic little bitch. And oh, he's like, no, so no, no, slimy. no, you can't, no, so you can't go back there. You can't go back there. <laughs> it's like, ah, yeah. we got you. Um, but then, uh, you know, you've also got, uh, the, the, the big biggest pull for me was just, like you said, Boba and the, the Tusken Raiders and, yeah. and all that stuff. So good stuff. His nightmare, really good. his nightmare vision where, like, you know, you sort of Yeah, his weird vision quest, yeah. He was probably in that Sarlacc for a bit. Like, he was probably there for at least a few, at the very least, a few days. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, he yeah. is having full-on nightmares about it. I mean, in, you would, wouldn't vision. you? Yeah, oh, God, yeah, yeah. Um... I wonder how. I wonder if at any point in the series he's going to randomly just go. I got knocked into a giant stomach by a blind guy. <laughs> I, they've got. To I have a lot of self-esteem issues now. The fact that you've <laughs> got to address the fact that he was fucking knocked into a sarlacc by a blind hand solo, like Boba Fett. <laughs> they've got. <laughs> I mean, it's not. They've done a great job of re-establishing him as a badass in the show. But they've got to, got to do better. They've got to address that. They've got to address it. I think the way they've done it as well quite nicely is by showing that he's not invincible. Like, the, the show's kind of established quite nicely that we, the viewer, have always just assumed he's yeah. this badass because that it was just cultural osmosis. We all went, oh, he looks cool. He must be a badass. And then the Jedi Special Edition, like, you know, oh, look, all the babes are flocking around yeah, him in Jabba's Palace. Like, you yeah. must be a proper player. Like, yeah, Boba Fett, what a cool guy. And then punk-ass death that we all ignored for decades. Then the internet comes into existence and we all go, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? He kind of had a shit death. He was sort yeah. of ineffective. Um, and then Mandalorian's like, no, 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 we want you to all be excited. Here he is. And we've got Jango Fett's actor playing him. Enjoy. And then this series is really kind of properly dug into the idea of no he's he's not perfect like he's not invincible but he is persistent yeah and he is um focused and is not just out for himself like if he sees a wrong that mm-hmm. he can help with he will do that like sure he'll kill for money because that's what he's good at doing yep but like he's not He's not a villain. He was the villain to our our 
our protagonist's story when we first met him. Mm-hmm. But what happens when he's not working for the Empire? And it's like, okay. And I really like that because Tamura Morrison's lending this immediate sort of vulnerability to him. Yeah, absolutely. Which which the series uses narratively uh, by having him needing to regularly go back to his back to tank and, and heal. From like you said last week, like from the fucking scarring he's still sort of dealing with from being digested nearly. <laughs> like he's he's a broken man. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I I I'm enjoying this series. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but maybe that's because they were sort of expecting it to be somewhere else. I was going into this not knowing what it will be. And yeah. I'm so pleasantly surprised with what it is. So Boba Boba. Hubba Bubba Tubba Bubba. Bobo Bobo Fett. Um Robo Fett. Where? <laughs> um so we've actually only got one email this week. What? And it's very short. What? So What? Ian Ian emails in to say I think with the bollock flash Matthew missed one of my inordinate lists. So favourite movies of twenty twenty one in no particular order for Ian. Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The Mitchells versus the Machines. Spider Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Okay. The Suicide Squad. A harb. Ron's Gone Wrong. <laughs> Night Books. Mm-hmm. Cruella mm-hmm. and Luca. And that's all he wrote. Thoughts on those, Christopher? Uh, I've not seen half of them. <laughs> I've not seen half of them. I really need to... I, I, I realised once I got home that there's some things on Disney Plus, for example, mm. I've not watched because I think I was waiting to get home to watch them with Lou and then found yeah. out she was the same way. So we're going to we're gonna tuck into like Encanto um, this yeah, week, I've for example. Yeah, I've not seen Encanto. Um, I've seen nothing but great things about it. Yeah. But there's that... That video's been doing the rounds on Twitter and whatnot of the um, the performance reference footage for one of the uh, the dance sort of and 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 sequences in a song called uh, it's a we don't talk about Bruno I think is the name of the song, hmm. and it, it's sort of showing the performers doing the choreography, part side by side with the animation. And, oh wow! And it's, wow, it's like this is beautiful. That's <laughs> like, cool. Obviously, the anima- yeah. the animation's using different angles. And, and changing things here and there, but it, yeah. it makes you realise just how much work goes into the musical numbers of uh, of an animated sequence, of an animated film, um, when they really go in on it. And it's like, wow, that looks beautiful. So mm. I have to get to that. Um, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I myself, I wouldn't have put, out of the ones I've seen, I wouldn't necessarily have put maybe Ghostbusters Afterlife in my 10. I did, I did enjoy it, but it, it's... I might have. I feel like I kind of have forgotten about it. Yeah, well, yeah, well there is that. Uh, and we never got around to Matrix uh, Resurrections, um, which, based on everything I've heard about it, is either really pointless, why the fuck are you just doing this again movie, or a Lana Wachowski is secretly trying to tell us all that, look, they were going to do this without me, so I'm going to tell a story about how they were going to done this without me, and is, and is a brilliant meta-commentary movie. So isn't a great Matrix film, but is a Gremlins 2 style. You really know what this is about, don't you, viewer? You understand what I'm trying to say here. I, I have seen Matrix Resurrections now. 
Yes. Which and was it? Was it full for you? I don't know how I feel about it. So in the middle. Yeah. Oh. I think I really liked it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it, it felt kind too of too many beats. It felt kind of flyaway, mm. and yet very dense. Mm-hmm. So I might need to watch it again. So the, the, what this suggests to me, and you could uh, tell me a bit more about it uh, next week. Maybe we'll touch on it. But like, uh, would you say that it's in the execution that the intent is kind of muddled? Possibly. Because for it to have such a... There doesn't seem to be anyone who's like, oh yeah, it was fine. It, it's either fucking pointless or it was genius and here's why. Like it seems to I, be both you know, ends of the... If anyone muddles um, intent and execution, it's Lana Wachowski after mm. that time that she said that black people are one of the main reasons why it's hard to get gender neutral bathrooms. Oh, um, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. Look that up, folks. God. It's not great. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, <sighs> and on that note, <laughs> let's get the fuck out of it. Yeah. Yeah, God. You know, you know how you, you know how you raise people up, guys. You don't do it by throwing <laughs> other people under the fucking bus. Oh my God. Oh, hey, it's a wonderful thing. If you all want to get in touch, you can do Twitter at BigDamnCast. You can email us BigDamnContact at gmail.com. You want to throw us some shekels to keep the lights on? Patreon.com slash BigDamnCast. Why would you? Why would you do it? Because in the coming months, there's going to be a lot more content exclusive to patrons, so you might as well get in there now, folks. Never. I will never create patron-exclusive content ever again. He says at gunpoint. (laughs) Because he totally is. And we totally will be. Uh, But till next time, there's only one thing left to say, Matt. Uh, what's that? 290 down. 10 to go. I can count!